reason artificial intelligence ethics or risks of artificial intelligence are topics that come with a bit of a philosophical air and don't necessarily have relevance for business leaders. This particular episode of the AI and Industry podcast, we are definitely going to be talking about the consequences of AI ethics for business leaders. Namely, when machine learning becomes integrated into technology products, is the system going to A, act in ways that maybe are unpredictable and could put the company at financial risk or legal risk? Or B, will the system begin to train itself to maybe act on principles or on tenets that would not only be unethical, but legally reprehensible, uh, such as filtering or making decisions on people based on maybe race or gender, per se. Uh, These are serious consequences, and our guest this week on AI and Industry is Otto Burks, who's forced to think a lot about these issues. Why, you ask? Well, because Otto is the CTO of a $4 billion technology company called CA Technologies, based in New York. Otto speaks with us this week about some of the realistic changes in the technology planning and testing process that tech leaders and other CTOs should be considering now. Anybody who's thinking about integrating machine learning into the products and services that they offer already, not only have to think about how to get it done, but also how to protect themselves from the potential downside. And Otto provides some interesting lenses of thought uh, to get that done. It's not that we don't think that the higher level, longer term ethical consequences of AI are important. In fact, if you type AI risk into the search bar at techemergence.com, you'll certainly see some of our opinions and thoughts about the longer term consequences of AI, which ultimately I am am unabashedly interested in and are my personal focus. But in terms of the executive audience, there are concerns to tackle in the near term and they affect the bottom line. And that is what we're diving into today. I should note that it was the University of Notre Dame that helped set up this interview. Uh, I am speaking along with Otto Burks at an event at the University of Notre Dame, Mendoza College of Business, and the event is called Artificial Intelligence and Business Ethics, Friends or Foes. The event is on September 19th, 2018, and as mentioned, uh, Otto and I will both be there presenting. So I was connected with Otto while I was talking to the fellow who had hooked me up with the presentation there on AI and ethics. And if you'd like to learn more about that particular event on artificial intelligence and business ethics, friends or foes, that'll be on the techemergence.com blog post that goes along with this episode. In addition to a transcript of some of the most important points from the show and a little bit more about Otto as well. So check out techemergence.com if you're interested in that event. Without further ado, this is Otto Burks with CA Technologies. I'm Dan Fagella with AI and Industry, and let's dive into the episode. So, Otto, where I figured we'd start off here to just kind of tee up this topic of ethical concerns of sort of artificial intelligence within the enterprise is sort of why this is different. You know, you're speaking coming up pretty soon on this exact topic. There's a lot of other executives who are now finally getting getting these kind of things on their radar. But you think about software, eh, people write software with biases in mind. People write software in ways that guide people's actions and could bias their decisions. What makes AI any different or worth tuning into any more? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, there is a, a real difference here between how algorithms and, and you know, programs have been built and how we think about uh, programs using machine learning and, and machine intelligence algorithms. And, 
you know, before, you know, algorithms were hardwired and, and you could certainly, uh, you know, hardwire bias into a software program or an algorithm, but it was, uh, you know, very discoverable. You know, it'd be sitting there right in the source code and, uh, and, uh, and yes, yes, yes. You could absolutely find it. You could see it. It was repeatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now we've got these systems that change their behavior over time. Or may have behavior that's that's hidden that is only discovered when when it's presented with uh, you know certain conditions that that weren't anticipated. So it's really uh, sort of the what I would say the non-deterministic nature of machine learning and machine intelligence systems, and the fact that they are able to change over time in ways that we may not have anticipated. That's really the big difference. Got it. So the, kind of the, the black box nature, the evolving nature, like you said, it's not a bug. You know, if, if you decided with a software system, oh, this set of buttons is biasing people towards taking these kinds of actions. Well, okay, well, you just redesign the buttons, you redesign kind of how it works. And, and now, you know, moving forward, it's going to be a different way. But with machine learning, you know, whether it's a recommendation engine or uh, a fraud detection system, you're kind of not able to have that security now or in the future. Yeah, and you know, it really comes down to um, explainability of how you got the answer, how this uh, this intelligent agent, you know, spit out spit out an answer. It's like, how did you get that answer? You know, with uh, hardwired yeah. algorithms, you can go look at the code. You know exactly how you got the answer. With you know an intelligent system, you know that that answer, uh, you know, explaining the answer is 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 a very different process. Got it. And now the business relevance of that, I think, is really where we're going to knuckle down on this interview. I think there are longer term consequences in terms of AI and ethics, and I'm certainly keen to those things. But I know for our crowd, really, how how those black box things can really be relevant for businesses, maybe risk factors for business leaders like yourself, I think is, is going to be quite interesting. We have a lot of people in the finance and the healthcare space where obviously black box stuff is a problem, right? If you're going to tell somebody what their cancer treatment is, or you're going to tell somebody where to allocate their life savings in terms of stocks and bonds, you better be able to say why. You know, Even if it's supposed to be a good reason, you better be able to say why. But clearly it extends beyond those areas. What are some potential examples of you know black box scenarios or just machine learning, you know, these, these new machine learning kind of circumstances that really could pose kind of uh, legal risk, um, financial risk for, for the companies that are using them? Absolutely. Uh, so one, uh, one example is in the HR space. Uh, we see HR tools, uh, things like expense reporting tools, uh, starting to use uh, machine learning and machine intelligence algorithms to, you know, drive greater efficiency, you know, potentially uh, prevent, you know, abuse on things like expense reports. But there's also the potential to, you know, as, as it ingests data and, and, and identifies patterns to, to potentially unfairly single out, you know, groups of people, uh, certain classes of, of, of people in a way that, that was not intended. Huh, yeah. And so let me see if I can put a finger on this. With respects to HR, if we're picking up on patterns in general, the machines don't know which of those are maybe socially acceptable or legally acceptable or not. They're just going to find them. Correct. Yeah. And so, it's, uh, okay. it just makes a, a, a statistical data-based uh, database decision without necessarily taking into uh, context, uh, you know, a, a kind of the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's tough. That's really, really tough. And obviously, you know, 
I make this analogy actually somewhat frequently. That's how human biases come about as well, right? Human stereotypes is you get enough anecdotal stuff about something, and then you start making this broad sweep that maybe really isn't fair. And there should be legal protection against making those kind of broad sweeps against people. And and there there are in many respects, HR being one of those pivotal areas. How do you keep a machine from doing that? If in fact that's what the data was for whatever doggone reason, how 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 can that be barred and or prevented? Well, that's a, an active area of research, and I think I think we do have to keep in mind, you know, the, the fact that uh, humans need to be involved in the process of making sure that that the results are fair and ethical. Um, you know, there's a a big data science component here. You know, the learning algorithms are only as good as the quality of the data that, that they ingest. So making sure that, that the data itself, you know, is a, a fair representation, you know, of a, yeah. of a, a body of, a body of people or a, or a certain, certain problem. So, you know, there is a component here of, of monitoring, active monitoring of these systems to make sure that they're, uh, performing as intended, and to be able to detect uh, anomalous behavior, um, behavior that that we either didn't anticipate or doesn't represent, you know, the the, the desired outcome. Huh. And I, I'm I'm imagining this now potentially in terms of how this could be tested. Like you said, this is an active area of research. You're right; it most certainly is. I mean, it definitely is in in healthcare and finance. I can imagine in HR, there's folks thinking about this in machine learning in general. These are just, you know significant issues. I'm imagining that a system for HR is periodically tested, whether it's, I don't know, whether it's every week, whether it's ongoing, whether it's every quarter, where it's fed a certain splay of data about people of different types at a volume that's high enough to get an indicative sense of of its conclusions. And then we get a sense for, are the differentiators of things like, let's say, race, which we really don't want to be kind of factoring in here, are those uh, bending results in ways that, that we find to be kind of not legally uh, acceptable? Or, and or, would we hypothetically just decide tactfully which data not to include to the system, which things to factor out of decision making uh, for the processes themselves? Or is it a bit of both? It's it's actually both, uh, and you bring up a really good um, a good point to you know to cover, which is testing. You know, we've we've thought about testing in, in a fairly rigid sense. Again, testing that was really geared you know toward very deterministic, hardwired algorithms. Now we have to rethink what testing means when you know the al- algorithms themselves are are dynamically over yeah. time ch- changing their own behavior so the testing itself uh mm. has to has to change in a in a in a similar way and and be be rethought um and your point about you know the data you know data scrubbing and data cleansing is 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 absolutely spot on um it's really up to us the, the humans uh to um you know to make sure that we understand how Certain data, uh, you know, can inject uh, can inject bias into the system. And I, I, uh, oh man, these these things really do get sticky. Well, one one take home point before I get into the sticky stuff with you, Otto. Really interested in your opinions on these things. Um, is uh, to the point of testing. You bring up a a point that I actually wasn't really considering is that testing needs to be rethought. We're no longer doing bug detection and and whatnot in with a certain kind of regimen. You know, a fellow like yourself who's a CTO, you're managing 
you know, people that are looking at quality assurance of various technology solutions. And there's probably been a way to do that with software. You know, it's clearly evolved. I bet you it has. But there's there's a method. My guess is that five years from now, Otto, as you guys presumably bring machine learning into more and more of the features and functions of, of CA Technologies uh, applications, you will kind of be designing and you and your tech team will be designing new methods and regimens for testing. Is there anything to say about that and things that maybe other CTOs should uh, consider, contemplate, take action on? You know, so, you know, testing, testing in this new world, you know, we'll, we'll come back again to, to data and making sure that you have the right mechanisms and, you know, to, to, to harvest the right, right data, you're not going to be able to test these algorithms without, you know, known good uh, pools of data to, to, to be able to stress test your machine learning algorithms. The other, you know, thing to keep in mind is, is, um, you know, the fact that the behaviors of these systems will change over time. So your testing will need to be able to really track you know the changes in 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 the answers that uh, that these these machine learning algorithms are, are are producing over time so it's not going to be the case that you can just test the system as a snapshot in time and uh, be able to um, you know have 100% confidence you actually need to um, track the behavior of the system over time using your these yeah. testing data intensive testing <laughs> methodologies so you can identify the drift you know to see if yeah. there's some some bias emerging over time oh goodness that is incredible so I, i'm imagining in my mind now a fellow like yourself developing an ongoing testing regimen for your most important applications you you uh, at ca tech you guys have uh kind of payment security applications from what you were saying off microphone, I would imagine some kind of an ongoing process of kind of feeding new samples into this machine that are generated in some way, and then getting a sense of responses, but doing that in a particular way that's testing for the things that could be trouble. In other words, you may not necessarily need to know you know, in, in some dire way that some new factor of kind of purchase size is helping to detect fraud. You, you actually may not like super duper need to know that. But in terms of, you know, things like race or uh, gender or location, or there, there might be other factors where, okay, that's a legal risk and it's not ethically in line. So you'd be designing testing to constantly kind of stay on top of what could be the wrong ways for that drift to go? Is, is, is that what I'm picking up on, Otto? Absolutely. You know, the reputational, the potential reputational damage from, you know, unfairly, you know, singling out, you know, a, a class of people and, and for example, a, a, a payment security product, um, you know, can be immense. And it's something yeah. that we have to guard against. The, the entire industry needs to guard against. And, yeah. Um, it's it's an ongoing you know challenge. Yeah. Um, you, you can't um, you, you can't just uh, rest and and uh, no. uh, you know with a with a given solution and assume that um, that solution you know will be uh, will be acceptable you know a, a month from now or a year from now. You know we constantly have to evolve these solutions to stay ahead of any any unintended consequences. I'm really imagining a future where all kind of machine learning predicated products have this ongoing process where samples are programmatically generated and fed in it outside of kind of the operating system into some sort of 
replicant sample system. And they're being fed in for the sake of testing and feeling out the decision-making process against the known legal and ethical risks of that product. And that that is just an ongoing process. Like so long as that product is, is servicing customers, we also have this system in the back end to ensure that the drift, as you put it, which is a wonderful term for machine learning here, that the drift isn't bending us into danger. I'm seeing this future in my head. I don't know if the future you see is much different, but I want to try to clarify. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, all the while, everything that you said, and all the while uh, maintaining privacy and, oh, yeah. and making sure that we don't cross into privacy uh, issues. You know, because the irony is that the more data that you have, the the, the more precise uh, you can be in in, in uh, uh, making course. sure that you've got a good representative set of data. But the greater the risk that you then encroach, uh, you know, privacy, you know, people's privacy. Oh man, uh, this, this is so nuts, Otto. Um, it is. It's. It's. <laughs> there. There are a lot of. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of tough, tough problems. You have to, your work to, cut to out for you, sir. You and have your work cut out for you. We actually have a uh, one of our research projects uh, is trying to tackle that problem, and and you know, at a very simple level, it uh, it injects noise into data that has you know personal data to effectively yeah. anonymize people's identities while still retaining the valuable information to help program intelligent systems this is yeah wow that and and nobody really knows how that's going to get handled at scale right you brought up a great problem we have two polar concerns we have maximum amount and granularity of data so that we can train on as many features as possible to find the best patterns to deliver the best results for the business and users and then we have you know privacy and security concerns and those can very much be at odds and it sounds like considering that balance will be part of the the future of a CTO's job and considering the ongoing testing to prevent legal and ethical risk will potentially be an ongoing part of a CTO's job, you know, five years, even maybe a little bit sooner into, into the future, depending on what kind of company you're at. Absolutely. Like it wasn't tough enough already with yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all the other challenges, uh, of and, course. Uh, but, but it, it, it will require, you know, us to, to really rethink what, privacy means, what bias means, what security means, um, you know, how, you know, well-intended intelligence systems, you know, could have massive uh, unintended negative unintended consequences to, uh, to a business. And so let's, we can kind of wrap up on one little last point about that. So I, I like that we're coming up with a lot of roundtable discussion type topics and real considerations for technology leaders and companies that are going to integrate AI. A lot of the folks tuned in are sort of moving into the leveraging of AI. and Maybe many people have not thought about these factors. AI ethics often comes across, uh, or a lot of the conversations are purely philosophical, which I can certainly enjoy. But for the sake of our audience, you know, this is really about the bottom line impact. I think people have to tune in. One thing you mentioned that I really want to ask you about before we wrap is this notion that we have granularity and volume of data, and then we also have the kind of result we can produce. And you know, we, we want we want as much of that as we can, but then again, there's the privacy and there's the bias concerns. Is it possible that there will be quote unquote unacceptable data that will, for whatever horrible reason, help a machine make better decisions, even if it is very socially uncouth, and that it may behoove companies to hide that they're doing it, but they will win in the market by doing so. For example, you know, the obvious examples here being kind of race and gender, but I'll uh, 
I'll use height to be uh, make this less prickly as just a conversation <laughs> with us. So I'm a short I'm a short fellow myself. Um, you know, let's just say hypothetically, short people in um, the MIT area happen to you know default on loans of a certain size. I don't have any loans out right now, but happen to default on loans of a certain size by some like insanely strange, statistically significant amount. It could be possible that the companies that decide to go ahead and consider that information may be seen as, you know, biasing against, you know, us poor, helpless, short folks. But at the same time, they might be kind of winning for the shareholders and their employees' security and whatnot. And I could see there being tension of saying that certain data isn't being used, but it's almost like steroids in baseball. You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. You got to say you're not doing it, but at the end of the day, you you got to have your needles in the fridge. You know what I mean? Like, so how do people get around that? You know, I, I, one, one, you know, aspect that I'd like to like to throw in here is um, the degree to which a machine learning algorithm is, is simply a data point for a human being to then make a decision. Yeah. Or whether uh, the machine itself makes a decision without yeah, yeah, human yeah. intervention, and I think that's that's where where we need to uh, draw a very very fine line, uh, because you know let's assume that that height data got ingested into a, into a system and and spits out a recommendation that includes. Uh, you know why? Um, you know why it, it may have you know voted against uh, you know making making a loan, um, and but but allow the person to have make the decision with a fuller context around uh, around each individual that that okay. machine is not going to have. So, in other words, can we create explainable systems that might be able to take in all data and then say, uh, here were the considerations for this person. Here's where. You know, I, the AI system, am leaning, uh, you know, based on XYZ agent who is going to give this a thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, use your judgment, brain, context, and kind of make the call. But this is what I'm giving you based on what I've seen. Is that, is that sort of what you're saying? Is that maybe for prickly areas, we would have a human layer where ethical responsibility could be sort of uh, breathed into the final portion of the process? So we can have the transparent insight, but but still have kind of you know the, the human in the loop in some way. Absolutely, and very well said. And as a matter of fact, uh, we have a research project around explainable AI. Mm. The idea that that especially in, in, in this example where it's uh, where it's uh, you know potentially prickly, where the you know the the machine needs to explain itself. It's, it needs to explain how it got the answer. I'm going to nutshell as we wrap up, Otto. I'm going to nutshell what I think are the chewing points for uh, the technology leaders at home. And I'd like you to kind of chip in anything else if you find them. What I'm getting from this, and this is actually, there are some uh, absolutely brand new ideas from this interview for me, which is which is great, is that uh, folks should be thinking about, given where AI is going to be implemented in their systems, would there be some basis for the decisions in these different applications, whether it's in payment or content recommendation or whatever the case may be, or, or a result that could be produced that would be an ethical or legal risk in some way, ethical, legal, financial risk in some way? And can they think about modes and means of training and kind of barring against that in an ongoing way where they're able to kind of test these systems moving forward? And that maybe these are things that at least should be mulled over by technology leaders. Anything to add on that, Otto? I'm doing my best to nutshell, but 
um, you know, you do more of this than me. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's very powerful technology, you know, the, the confluence of, of, you know, very powerful hardware and, you know, the ability to uh, implement, finally implement, you know, these learning software algorithms, you know, has a great deal of potential, but the onus is on us, the human beings, yep. to, you know, to, to supervise and monitor and and evolve these systems so that, that, you know, they are a positive part of our futures. Yep. Hard to argue against that. I've got to agree. And, and hopefully for those tuned in, this has been helpful. I think AI ethics can often be a very muddled and vague conversation. I think you've helped us, Otto, to pluck out some places to start thinking uh, that, that may in fact be legitimate, fruitful, very valuable for tech leaders in, in the coming years ahead. So that's all we have for time. And Otto, this has been great having you on the program. Thanks so much. It's been my pleasure, Dan. Thank you. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.